So, who are you? Oh, God. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and it shouldn't be so hard to answer. Right? Yeah. Well, we have a we have a guest on today. She is a amazing Lebanese woman who is my friend. You're going to make me cry, dude. This is that's sweet. I just threw the Lebanese part in there because it's very relevant. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. But anyway, I'll let you uh, introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm Joanna. I am 23. I live in Nova Scotia. I am also friends with this amazing man to the left of me. But damn, I'm nobody... not Lebanese though. No, you're not Lebanese. No, but um. I guess no one will know that you're to the left of me. But just imagine a green couch. I'm on the right side. Will's on the left. And it's a very nice vibe in here. It is. Yeah. that's I constructed it specifically that I way. I love the pictures on your wall. I just, I live in a podcast studio. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> it works out because you are a man with a lot of wisdom. And I feel like you need a designated space to share that. And I'm very honored to be in that space. Thank you. I am so honored to have you here today. Thank you. We're going to have a very civil discourse. Yes. On, uh, you know, fun and light topics like the genocide of the Palestinians. Very light topics. Easy breezy. Morning commute. This is the type of thing I want to listen to first thing when I wake up. Very easy breathing. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, you're kind of uh, an apolitical person in a sense, or you don't do a lot of, uh, or I guess on your own, you don't go out and do a lot of like research and you don't kind of stay up to date on uh, like everything that has to do with uh, politics, whether that's on a global scale or not. So what about this particular issue as it's going on in the world right now made you kind of like have such a strong view on it well it's very true what you say i'm not a very political person there are a lot of things that i don't know but i think it kind of boils down to being a human and Mm -hmm. i just feel sad Although I don't know a lot of the history, I am learning it. As we were having a chat yesterday, you were teaching me about a lot of things that I didn't know about Palestine. Um, But I don't think it's about being a political person. I think it's just about being a person. 100%. If you have a heart, then I guarantee you will care about Palestinians and what's happening Um, in Gaza, especially the footage. It's Mm -hmm. one thing to read, but when I started seeing videos of these kids crying for their mom, can't find them, or people being buried alive in the rubble, it tugs on your heart to the point where you don't see it as oh, I don't know what side to be on. It, I don't see that there are sides. It's just people are dying. People are being murdered. I'm a person. I care. That's why I'm here. That's why we're chatting. Exactly. So that is like, that is like the gist of what uh, we're getting at with this episode 
is that this issue has been so politicized. And when you politicize an issue, people tend to take this like both sides stance or this uh, fence sitter stance, or they'll, uh, you know, kind of keep it out of uh, public discourse because they'll say, you know what, I don't want to be political. Uh, but the reality is, is that it's not a political situation at all. Like you just said, like you're not a political person, but you still recognize uh, the horrors that these people have been uh, subjected to and you still feel a type of solidarity with them, right? Absolutely. And I think for me, maybe it hits a little closer to home. Mm -hmm. I know what it's like to be on the other side of the world and watch your country crumble and to see footage of people dying and not being able to do anything. So I feel for the Palestinians all over the world who are just having to watch this while also feeling, of course, immensely upset for those who are experiencing it every day. But with that being said, I don't think it's a political issue. And I'm coming into this podcast not knowing too much. I almost didn't want to do it because I thought, oh my gosh, I don't have enough information. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't. I can't be sitting here talking about it, but yeah. I think, I think that's it's... the beauty of it though, right? Is that we're showing people that you don't have to be this political person mm -hmm. to, you know, to declare your values and your morals and to say what's happening is wrong. And I don't care about the politics surrounding it, uh, but I, I recognize injustice and I'm going to speak truth to power mm -hmm. when I see it in the world. I have a so, burning question for you. A burning question. And I only just kind of realized that I never asked you. Okay. When did you first learn about everything happening in Palestine? Because I know it wasn't this year. I mean, you have been advocating <laughs> For the Palestinian people for years and I'd like to know how that started that started this year no way yeah October 7th was when I started I'm just I'm 100% joking I actually felt like <laughs> oh my god no sorry I was like I didn't know anything about this guy it's been it's been a couple of years now um, that I've been particularly concerned uh, with this uh, with the issue of what's going on in uh, Israel Palestine, um, and what I met, like what I was talking about earlier of being becoming more politically uh, like aware in university, that I would say that that definitely happened to me, and it starts out uh, for me. It started out with uh, decolonial studies and studies into postcolonialism. Uh, so I took a couple classes in uh, I think it was like my second year. And I realized like this, this stuff is really interesting. And, you know, this is something that we think of as so far in the past, uh, but it's kind of, it really is a contemporary issue. So from there, uh, I've kind of started to learn about uh, the Israeli occupation uh, of Palestine. And, you know, if you're somebody who's interested in like anti-colonial studies or like decolonization, that is a flashpoint issue. That is the big, big issue uh, because it's, uh, it's an occupation that's ongoing today. 
It's one where uh, we're living in a country that is actively arming the colonial power. And uh, it is, uh, it's a controversial issue. Um, like people always ask me, uh, you know, people will say to me, uh, if you're going to, if you're going to condemn Israel for uh, human rights violations against Palestinians, why don't you condemn uh, Saudi Arabia for their numerous human rights violations? Why don't you condemn uh, Iran for their uh, violations of women's rights? And my answer to that is always like, A, I do. Um, and then B, uh, something bad going on somewhere else in the world doesn't justify your your uh, bad actions. And then the big reason, and like I guess is like also the reason why I'm so interested in this issue and why I feel it's so vital to advocate for Palestinian human rights, is because it is it's controversial, and it's not, it should not be controversial at all. I can I can stand up in the town square here i can go on the news i can do whatever and i can say saudi arabia is a it is an authoritative government uh they commit numerous human rights violations and that is wrong we should do something about that but you can't do that with israel i can't go on mainstream media i can't go on social media and criticize this state on its human rights violations without being called an anti-Semite or without somebody saying you just you just hate Israel. Uh, like, it's just ridiculous. There's so much pushback uh, when you advocate for the rights of Palestinians. So that's why I feel this kind of like responsibility to advocate for those rights. You mentioned earlier being controversial. And mm -hmm. in the beginning of the genocide, I was posting a lot on my story and just social media in general. And I've had a few people unfollow. Um, that, that'll happen. <laughs> and that brings me to my next point of you and I had a conversation and you were saying how you have lost tons of followers um, over the years because you used to post about this even before the genocide. Mm -hmm. I lost, I'll interject just a little bit. I'll, yeah. I want you to get back to your point. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I lost a lot of followers initially because uh, I was very critical of policing in this country. And I posted a lot about that. And then I'm still very critical of policing in the modern world. And then I lost even more followers uh, posting about Palestine. But yes, um, you're right. I have lost a lot of followers because of posting about Palestine. Mm -hmm. I can't wrap my head around why this has become such a controversial topic, um, especially given what's happening in Palestine as we speak. Mm -hmm. Posting about it, I truly just post because I want to spread information. This is information that people are missing or maybe they're just choosing to look away. Regardless, I feel it's a responsibility that I need to share this. I have had people unfollow me and, you know, other people I know, including my sister, and they say, "Well, it's politics. It's politics." Like mm -hmm. I'm 
I'm not a political person. I'm, you know, I don't agree with what you're posting. It just, it's shocking because people are dying. I'm not a political person, but why is this specific experience for people so dividing? I don't mm-hmm. understand. Well, that uh, we're living in a post 9-11 world where Islamophobia and Arabophobia is so normalized. And, you know, I'm not, I myself am not like an Arab. I'm not a Muslim, but I have heard just casual Islamophobia. And I don't, I can't even imagine what somebody who is would go through. Right. But I think that's why it's like a controversial issue because whether we're, whether we're aware of this bias or not, there are a lot of people in this country who are not ready to, uh, to accept the basic fact that uh, Palestinian people are human and are deserving of the same human rights as everybody else on the planet. So we tend to, we tend to revert into this uh, like Israel or white person because Israelis are white people. White person, good narrative. Uh, Mm -hmm. Arab person bad narrative it's like Selena Gomez posted a story I was gonna bring this up (laughs) yeah and she said she's been avoiding um social media she said she just I wish I had the post she said something about not wanting to she's like uh she's talking about like consuming so much death and destruction right yeah and you know it taking a toll on her and she's just taking a break Mm -hmm. and deleting it all and this is like, I feel like you have the same opinion as me on this. Yeah, I know what you're about to say. <laughs> because I probably texted it to you or something in, yeah. in, in a rage. And I'm but all for it. I was like, so I was a big Selena defender when Haley Bieber was like bullying her. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know about you know about that. Maybe I'm too chronically online, but. I know a bit about it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, anyway. Um, yeah, when she posted that and like other celebrities will post that stuff too and uh even have friends who will talk about like you know just like block out the negative things don't look at it don't look at it on social media um but that to me that is such uh like a white westerner not even necessarily white but that's such like a westerner like privileged thing to say and to be able to do you know what i mean like to live here in the comforts of the empire and be able to turn off violence whenever you want and having it only exist on your phone because there are people in the world who can't turn off the violence mm-hmm. who the, for them the violence is inflicted on their communities it's uh in they their children in the middle east who are more afraid of clear skies than they are of cloudy skies because clear skies means that they're possibly drones above their heads ready to bomb wherever they may be so it's you know it's such a privileged thing to be able to turn off the violence and not have it constantly over your head right like these like there are children there are people being bombed in these countries and i think the least we can do is fucking look at it absolutely i made that point the other day with somebody i was talking to Um, They said, well, 
you know, some of my followers are really tired of seeing all these constant posts. And my answer to that is, you're tired of seeing the posts? Okay, then stay mm-hmm. tired. I'm not yeah. going to stop posting about it because people are dying. Absolutely. What, what do you expect me to do? I mean, I think it's, like you said, very privileged where we can choose to not look. Although I do have a Palestinian friend who told me the other day, she said, I can't go on Instagram sometimes. And although I feel so guilty about it, it's just too much on certain days. And I just Mm -hmm. need a pause because, and although I I understand that because she goes home and she sees it on the TV, she sees it on her phone, on her parents' phone, her siblings, her extended family, they come over and they talk about it because that is the most intense, horrible thing that's happening in their life. Of course, they're going to talk about it. Are you... I think I know the Palestinian friend you're talking about. She at the protest? She, I'm not sure if she was there actually. Oh, okay. Because your friend who was at the protest, I was sending videos to her Mm because I took a lot of good ones when I was there. Yeah. Gosh, there are a lot of really strong individuals out there. I'm I'm just, I'm always in awe of what they Mm -hmm. can do with a megaphone (laughs) i'm like wow i'm kind of in awe of what i can do here because i'm just a i'm I'm an idiot with a microphone dude you're so chill with the microphone (laughs) you're so good with it stop it really is um it's almost like you were made for this but um so when you were when you're posting on social media and you're talking about uh, getting all this engagement have you gotten any kind of like negative engagement from posting about this aside from being unfollowed so i had reposted something that said i was gonna say bless you but you just coughed um okay sorry cough (laughs) the post had said one thing i'm struggling to articulate is how israel is openly ordering hospitals in gaza to evacuate so it can bomb them and western countries are still offering their full support yeah I posted it, of course. Oh, I thought you were reading the hate DM. And I was like, I was like, shit, that's kind of based. Yeah. I was like, this is the worst Zionist ever. <laughs> so that was the, po- that's what I reposted on okay. my Instagram story. Okay. So we were talking about social media. Yeah. But right now, I think, do you ever get the DM? Like it's, it's a, it's a common DM to get when you are somebody who, uh, kind of does like activism and you posting on social media as a part of that is you get that DM of, Oh, you're just doing Instagram stories. You're just posting things on social media. Um, it's not going to change anything. So why do you do it? Yeah. I was actually thinking about this earlier. It is something I've heard, although nobody's ever said it to me directly, but it's been said. To other people that I know. Mm-hmm. The, I, I know a guy. Yeah, I know a guy who knows Hearsay. Objection. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, yeah, I was thinking about this earlier because it kind of ties into feeling guilty mm-hmm. because we're so privileged to live here and... I think it's kind of like my safety feels 
almost wrong. I feel wrong for it. Does it feel almost like a, like a bit of survivor's guilt? I would, I wouldn't go as far to say survivor's guilt only because I'm not Palestinian. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have Palestinian friends who feel that entirely. The that thing, must be unimaginable. Absolutely. Right? Like that's insane. The thing with posting is that it starts to educate people. Mm-hmm. I personally follow a lot of Middle Easterns. I have a lot of Arab friends because I'm Lebanese. So this information is literally at my fingertips. Whereas my white friends, I'm their only source of this information because they don't follow anybody else that I follow. So it's just me posting. And like you were saying earlier, there's this responsibility of... Like, I really just need to share this information. People need to be educated. But also, I'm aware that posting in, uh, like, in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to do anything. I mean, yes, we're educating people, but it's not going to, like, my Instagram post will not stop what's happening. Mm -hmm. I get that. And And that's what makes me feel... You kind of have a helpless feeling yeah. from that a little bit. But when people say that, I think, um, I almost feel like it's an excuse. Yeah. Because why do we post anything in life? Like, why are we right. posting anything? I don't know. Yeah. I think going back to what you said uh, about educating people. Yeah. I 100% feel that responsibility too. You know, to speak out uh, when injustice rears its ugly head, right? Mm -hmm. And to educate people because, you know, social media is the new town square, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, I've had people, I've had people who are like Arab DM me and tell me you're teaching me so much, which in a way feels wrong that I'm a privileged uh, white passing person teaching Arab people about the struggles of Palestinians. You taught me so much. See, and that feels, it feels icky to me. Like I'm appropriating this issue. I wouldn't see it as an icky thing. I just see it as very remarkable that you're a non-Arab person and you are so passionate and Mm -hmm. you have so much energy to be giving this information to people. It's like, it's heartwarming. And my Palestinian friends have also said it as well when I've, talked about you Mm -hmm. they say you know what in a weird way this kind of just gives me a hopeful feeling i guess right because you're seeing somebody who's not arab kind of identify with this issue Mm -hmm. and you know advocate somebody who's outside of the community right so you can see that solidarity yeah these problems have always been kind of within our households we go to school amongst white people and they don't understand you know we have to explain to them why we're feeling upset why our weekend wasn't so good but seeing somebody finally kind of quote unquote on the other side of this having all this information and still actually teaching us Mm -hmm. that's amazing yeah that's like i i like that i can do that I feel incredibly uh, privileged and honored 
that I can do that for sure. And I don't take that responsibility very lightly at all. Um, yeah, but I mean, like, that's crazy to hear coming from you. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, but I think like, that's kind of, that kind of goes back to what I was saying about social media is that, you know, the visible parts of your advocacy, i.e. being that social media, like it can have a very real effect uh, when it comes to, you know, changing hearts and minds and when it comes to showing support for people in the community, like what you just said, like that having that support for these communities of people who are hurting so much, that's not nothing. That's not immaterial. That's a very real thing. And I think I... I can see how, like, not doing anything. Yeah, okay, that's where I was getting right? at. Like, not having, like, a tangible effect. I can definitely see why you would feel that way, right? I misspoke because the effect that posting had was suddenly my white friend from high school being like, oh, I'm learning a lot about mm -hmm. Palestine and Israel. I'm learning so much. Keep posting. But also, protests right. have happened in our city, all over the world, people are donating money. And I understand that money is really powerful. But the heartbreaking thing is it's not going to bring people back. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't erase what happened. Hopefully this money will help rebuild hospitals, rebuild their city. But that's kind of why this whole thing feels so icky when you're in a place of privilege. Mm -hmm. Is you can throw money at organizations, you can donate as much as possible, you can post as much as possible, go to rallies, but we can't bring people back that's true. And it's really heartbreaking. That was just a side note. I was just thinking about that today. But I think we we definitely, you know, you're right. You know, we can't go back and undo the things that have happened. So much. But I think we definitely do have the power to influence the future and influence where we go forward from here. And I think being in this country as well as the United States, being here in particular... And having that social media awareness, uh, you know, getting the word out, whether that's through word of mouth, social media, protests, right? We can see the tangible effect it is having on the politicians of this country. Like Justin Trudeau the other day uh, said, what did he say? Humanitarian pause or something like that. He's uh, cessation. Cease he almost said ceasefire. He almost said ceasefire. Right? So. Yeah. I think, but he wouldn't, he would not have said humanitarian pause 10 years ago. Like it times it's slow. It is insanely slow change, but they are changing and the pressure is working. Mm -hmm. uh, yesterday was the largest mobilization for Palestinian human rights in the world in history. Like if you, and you didn't see it on the news. That was a big thing is it was a, it was all on social media. You could see hundreds of thousands of people in Berlin, in Indonesia, in London, in Ireland, in DC, even here in Halifax, like yesterday was a, I would say the mobilization for Palestinian human rights yesterday 
was equal to or possibly even greater than the protests we saw following the George Floyd murder. Wow. But it's you wouldn't know. You wouldn't have known that yesterday... Sorry, I, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, listeners. <laughs> uh, yesterday was November 4th yeah. for us. But yesterday was the... November 4th was the largest mobilization that's ever happened for Palestinian human rights. And you wouldn't know that from the news. But I think that goes to show that the pressure is on and it's working and it's up to us to keep that pressure, you know, to show uh, like the people in power, the supposedly elected officials, that you are out of touch with your constituents on this issue, that they that we we feel very strongly about this and we are going to keep pressuring you. We're going to keep boycotting, we are going to keep voting until you until you abide by what the people want, until you abide by, you know, basic humanity, right? From what I'm seeing on social media, the majority of the world is pro-Palestine. It's just these leaders that mm-hmm. are just really not getting it. And I also think that um, the boycotting, uh, that's really important. I think there's a... Starbucks and McDonald's are feeling it. Yeah, there's a specific day, I think, where I saw maybe on TikTok of people saying, on this day, we're absolutely going to boycott everything. Yeah, that's that's an economic blackout in protest. Uh, They did it or was done during, um, during the BLM protests in 2020. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that that is a big thing because if you can get everybody to follow that boycott, that because that really is the only language that uh, the people in power speak. Money is money is shutting down business as usual is hitting their bottom line. That's where it hurts, mm-hmm. right? And that's you, unfortunate, isn't it? It is. People in power. Oh my gosh, it's scary yeah. that money is so controlling. Um, because people, I always, I'm, I'm saying the same sentence over and over, but people are dying. Mm -hmm. I can't understand how you get to a point in your life where money is more important. It's definitely more important to the American empire. I can tell you that. And that is the root of this issue, you know, because it's kind of like that proxy state of Israel to maintain us interests in the middle East. Mm-hmm. you know, to maintain uh, the control on the land and its natural resources. So you're you're absolutely right that money is kind of the root of this. And it's so unfortunate that's the only language that they speak. Yeah. Sorry. No. I realized I only, I realized I did it where I like got into this something way. that was like, that was like obscure. And I was like, oh no, I'm shutting her out of this conversation. Absolutely not. I don't feel shut out. I just... I'm absorbing and I'm listening (laughs) like a a sponge, like a sponge. But I mean, while we're, um, while we're on the topic of boycotts, Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, this podcast, uh, produced completely in accordance with the BDS movement. None of the material you see around you, the microphones, uh, the, you know, the, uh, Behringer station there, uh, the laptop, none of it is, uh, directly involved with, uh, production in illegal Israeli settlements or complicit in the apartheid regime at all. Uh, I made sure of that when I was buying all this equipment. Amazing. And, uh, you know, people don't realize how many of these companies uh, do fucking 
awful things, you know, in in the occupied territories. The uh, Nes- the Knesset member, who, sorry, Knesset is uh, the Israeli Parliament. Thank you. <laughs> the Knesset member who uh, called for nuking Gaza. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's disgusting. Yeah, Amihai uh, Eliyahu called for. Oh my god. Uh, well, he didn't call. He said it's a possibility uh, that God that to nuke Gaza, which is kind of like it's insane, right? It's also crazy that they, these are the people who are in government, and that Israel is a nuclear power that is openly genocidal. And first of all, I will say he has been. Uh, Netanyahu did suspend him from parliament over those comments and uh, publicly disavowed them. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's um, something I wouldn't expect. But in my opinion, if Gaza was not directly next to Israel proper, surrounded on two sides by Israel proper, they would have nuked Gaza by now. I think if it was an island like miles off the coast. Absolutely. I mean, look at the destruction already. They might as well have, right? Yeah. But I mean, they don't want they don't want their that fucking fallout in their in Israel, right? And all the repercussions that come with a nuclear bomb being so close to one. Without saying where I work, I would like to say an experience I've had with customers coming in and talking about Israel. And saying, oh, we got to support these guys. Being uh, the IDF or Israel. Yeah. Saying, we got to support these guys. Um, This one man said, you know, it's so funny how back in World War II, everybody sat around while this genocide was happening and nobody did anything. And now it's happening again, which is why we need to support these guys. I think it's wild to try. Oh, to I make... shut down. I actually shut down. I couldn't even speak after that. Yeah, it's wild to try and make the argument that Israelis are the ones being having the genocide committed against them. It's in the numbers. If people don't want to face what's happening, look at the numbers. Look at the death toll. Absolutely. Compare them. I mean, one death is too many deaths, in my opinion. No matter who it is. But come on, the destruction day after day in mm. Gaza. It's horrendous. I yeah. mean, I... Sorry, I just need to touch on something that go I ahead. thought go, about. Go, go off. Pop off. <laughs> Pop off, queen. Let her cook. I have a Palestinian friend who was explaining to me something so distressing that she saw on the media that she mm-hmm. was consuming. She... And... I don't know if I can like go so into these details graphically, but as much as you're comfortable with, there was a man that they saw footage of and he had both of his legs blown off. His face was, I mean, she said his face blew off, but I Mm -hmm. think for lack of a better word, she was probably trying to say that he was unrecognizable. There was blood everywhere and he was, screaming in agony and this was at that point where doctors had or i should say surgeons had no um 
No anesthesia. Yeah. And like, it's just. uh, They don't have access to to clean water, to power. She saw this video. Mm -hmm. And she's very, she's a very remarkable person. I wish I could say her name, but she said, you know what? It wasn't blurred out. And Joanna, I hope you didn't see it, but thank God it's not blurred out. Good for them. They shouldn't blur it out. They need to show the people what's happening. If all we see are blurred bodies, it's not gonna, it just, it doesn't, I guess, affect people in the same way, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but she said this affected her so much that she ended up becoming physically sick she was just so it was just so distressing that she literally went to the washroom and threw up and this is the kind of stress that I will never understand because I'm not Palestinian I mean I'm watching from the outside Mm -hmm. and we're very privileged again but And just going back to what my friend had texted me, how he said, I hope it's not taking a toll on your mental health. Oh my gosh, I will post even if my Palestinian friends can't post anymore because I'm, it's not happening in my country. Like I have, I don't want to say I have more of a, I don't, I can't find the right word or the right way to explain this, but it hits them deeper and it's it's affecting them on a level that we can't understand that you can you can empathize with but you really you'll never truly understand it mm-hmm. right yeah i think that kind of goes back to what we were saying right about uh seeing all of it on social media you know i have in the in the last month i have seen more dead children than I ever have in my life. And that's, it, you know, it's, it's easy. That's the easy thing to do, is to turn it off, right? And I think that's part of, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do this kind of thing, and I'm going to try and empath, like, empathize, shit, if I'm going to empathize <laughs> with these people uh, in any kind of meaningful capacity, right, I can look at those pictures, and I can look at what's happening, you know, and that really, it's, it, it's, it's taxing for sure. But I mean, ultimately it's, it, you know, if you, you can kind of learn how to convert that into a fuel almost to kind of keep yourself going. And then, you know, you think about, you see those things on social media and then it's great to go to a protest or get into you know, some kind of organization, uh, like get organized with people who feel the same way because it's such a, you think about it so differently after seeing so much death and destruction when you are surrounded by other people who have seen that same thing and who are feeling the exact same thing that you are feeling, this like responsibility, this obligation and that kind of camaraderie I think it really, you know, it's really the support there and it really kind of like softens the blow of seeing all that Mm -hmm. for sure. 
I'm just reminded of all these conversations I've had with my Palestinian friends. Um, one of them had mentioned early on, early October, she said, I don't know what I'm feeling, but I think I'm just numb. Mm. And she said, unfortunately, I've gotten to the point where I'm desensitized to all of this destruction that I'm seeing, all of these dead bodies, these dead children. Yeah. And I was having a conversation with her and another Palestinian friend, and they said something really beautiful. Um, they were saying how being desensitized is kind of like a way of being protected from mm. what's happening. And although they understand what they're seeing is horrendous, they're almost like, well, if I'm desensitized, then I can continue fighting this fight. Mm. I can protect myself to the point where I can still go to rallies and keep posting. Um, but there was another conversation, Will, and I can't quite... You know, it's like... Um, quite, can't quite remember it, but... But what you are saying earlier, it's like, we're going to do the work now, and then later we're going to heal ourselves, and we're going to take the time, you know, because the advocacy has to happen now. Absolutely. Right? It's very, so. very much time-sensitive, because this is not something that's... I mean... That's the media cycle. Oh, God, right? yeah. Is once... That's... That's the unfortunate reality of this situation mm -hmm. is that this hat was going on long before October 7th. It's been going on since 1948, the oppression of the Palestinian people. And the sad fact is that if there's a ceasefire, which is like the bare minimum for humanity, if there is a ceasefire, status quo is restored uh, everything goes back to um, air quotes like this conception of peace that the world has for the region. But that idea of peace is not peace for Palestinians, right? And the media didn't care at that time when they were still living under apartheid, under blockades, when they were still having their neighborhoods raided by soldiers from a foreign army under which they are not represented in any meaningful way. And I know... I get that. Like, it's so, it's so hard to think that when this is finally out of the media cycle, that it's going to go back to being the same way it is, which is why, you know, this feels like an eternal struggle that we just can't let up on. Mm -hmm. So like, I kind of get that feeling of despair when we talk about, you know, get in front of the cameras now, get the word out there while it's in the media, you know? Yeah. Sorry, I kind of went off on like a whole <laughs> tangent there. But it's a good tangent. It's necessary to have these kinds of tangents. <laughs> so don't apologize. Okay. So for you, uh, like learning about what's happening to the Palestinian people, learning about the plight of the Palestinian people, what is there, a, is there one specific thing that you learned about that was quite jarring for you or one specific thing um, that you thought, you know, I can't believe I've been living all my life knowing that this, not knowing that this goes on. 
I'm very embarrassed to say it. But again... This is a safe space. <laughs> and this is what we're talking about with the whole podcast, right? This whole episode. That's the thing is, is, you know, I... You don't have to know everything. And I didn't. And I still don't. I still don't either. I'm still learning a lot about this You're issue. You're like an encyclopedia, man. You, I don't even know if there's much else I mean, for you to learn. I think I still... I feel like every day, you know, I learn more about the history and then more about the situation as it exists today. Mm-hmm. absolutely i think there's always room to learn but go ahead yeah, what, was, I what, agree. what is it what's the big embarrassing thing i learned this last night when you were walking me through everything okay. especially with you brought the map out palestine is it has been shrunken to the tiniest areas on that map the gaza strip yeah west bank i had no idea that israel was pretty much everywhere else and everywhere that is not uh, gaza or the west bank yes is uh, the settled land of israel that's what I call Israel proper, of course, in air quotes, because it is a, it's not a state. It is a, it is a colonial entity. It is a proxy of Western empire, but go on. Mm-hmm. Is that Israel? In very simple sorry. terms. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> go ahead. In very simple terms. And I know I'm going to sound very uneducated when I say this. Go ahead. It is so fucking unfair to learn about this because imagine living in your country. It's like, I think you said this in your other podcast, maybe. I don't know. Um, Side note, did you ever talk about somebody like robbing your house? Yeah, I did. Okay, so that was you. I made that analogy. You can say it into the microphone. Fuck. I just, I don't want to like, go ahead. I don't want you to, <laughs> oh. but do you, want, do you want me to go over the analogy again or? I was going to touch on it, but I think it's a good idea for you to re-explain it. So, um, I made this analogy, uh, when talking about international law and how the rights of self-determination Uh, that are prescribed under international law apply to the Palestinians and how that applies uh, to conceptions of who is a civilian and who is a settler and which state bears the responsibility for civilian deaths in an occupied territory under international law. So if you look at the area that is the West Bank, there Israel is actively invading the West Bank and they are building settlements in the West Bank. This is against the Geneva Conventions. Under the international law that governs how states are supposed to behave in a situation where a state is occupying another state's land, it is explicitly said in the fourth Geneva Convention in Article 47, 49, one of those, I believe. You are so impressive. That, stop it, (laughs) that um, it is illegal for the occupying power, i.e. Israel, to export its civilian population into an occupied territory. And that's illegal for 
what I would say are some very, very good reasons. Because under the Geneva Conventions, under humanitarian law, people have a right to self-determination. And that includes the Palestinians. And that right to self-determination has been interpreted also as extending to the right of occupied people to resist the occupation. So people who are living under a military occupation of a foreign nation under which they are not represented in any anything resembling a democratic way, people living under occupation have the absolute right to resist the occupation. And they have the right to resist that occupation violently. And it's very... Israel has moved these civilian settlements in the West Bank into the line of fire. And that is why they're illegal. Because you can't put civilian, you can't export civilians into a space where people are actively fighting for their liberation and then throw your hands up when they get caught in the crossfire and go, I don't know why these people are killing civilians when these people have the absolute right to fight for their liberation. So I put the entire blame on the state of Israel for moving their civilian population illegally into a land where people are fighting for their right to freedom. And, you know, Israel likes to talk about Hamas using human shields, but to me that sounds like one big-ass human shield. Mm-hmm. But the analogy with that scenario there is that if I am invading your house, say you have a house. In this you have economy? A ha- you have a house. <laughs> and I break in, and in the midst of my home invasion... I invite my wife and my kids over and I tell my kids to sit down in uh, the kitchen or in the living room and, you know, they can play on the rug, they can do whatever, they can go about their day in your house that I'm invading. And then you fight back against me, the invader. That's your right. Castle doctrine, motherfucker, right? Mm -hmm. You get to fight back against me if I'm invading your house. And then... You know, they would be crazy to put the blame on you if my kids got hurt in the midst of that fighting, right? Because the blame is 100% on me because I brought a vulnerable people to a place where I was committing atrocities, where I was definitely in the wrong, where I knew there was going to be violence and where I'm definitely the bad guy, the invader in that scenario. So that is the... uh, that is the home invasion uh, analogy there. And it's a really great analogy. <coughs> Got this air. Right? That's so dry. <coughs> yeah. I don't know what I was saying before. I do. I, I do. hope I answered the question. I do that. Yeah. God, what was the question? <laughs> I don't know. There's so much to... Uh, <laughs> There's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to talk about. There is a lot to unpack. I feel like we can't cover it in one But we were talking about the the West Bank, and you said that you were were very surprised to find out that everywhere that is not Gaza or the West Bank is Israel. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? And um, that that problem is only becoming worse. Uh, Netanyahu's government is actively expanding settlements in the West Bank. And uh, here's the thing about the Israeli settlements in the West Bank. They 
Israel has intentionally intermingled its civilian operations with its military in this attempt to kind of appropriate those rights that are that civilians are given in conflict. Uh, they conscript their soldiers at the age of 18 from the general population. And, you know, these uh, settlements function almost more as military bases than they do as actual villages because these settlers are always accompanied by the IDF. The IDF in areas... Uh, C and part of areas B in the West Bank are the main peace, of course, air quotes, uh, peacekeeping force, police force, whatever you might call it. Uh, but the sad reality is that in the West Bank, they're not there to protect the Palestinians. They're not there to maintain order. They're there to corral the Palestinians. They're there to protect the settlers when the settlers commit violence against the Palestinians, which happens regularly. Uh, people don't know this because all the eyes are on Gaza, but in the West Bank, settler violence has increased. I know more than 50 Palestinians have been killed in the West Bank as a direct result of settler violence, of pogroms committed against them. And I have, I would say, sorry, I'm going too hard right now. Keep going. So uh, I think I said this on the last one, but settlers in the West Bank are different from people living in Israel proper. Ultimately, they are all still settlers, kind of in the same sense that we uh, can consider ourselves settlers here uh, in Canada. But settlers in the West Bank actively made that choice to steal somebody's home. So, and they can see it. You can see the misery that you are causing by actively making the choice uh, to ethnically displace Palestinians. So I really don't have a whole lot of sympathy for settlers in the West Bank. And, you know, that kind of goes back to that point, is that this is what, this is what land theft looks like. This is what colonial, colonialism looks like. It's not just all of a sudden the settlers land, and this land now has a new name and a new master. It's, it's a slow process, and it continues into, into modern day here as well as in, in Palestine. Sorry for my silence. I'm it's learning. Okay. <laughs> it's very, what a, sorry, this is just a side note. It has nothing to do with. Go ahead. Side, side note, sidebar. What a cool freaking thing it is to be able to call you my friend and to say that you add so much to my life in terms of. Jesus Christ. No, seriously, you... You're going to have to stop this. People are going to think you're like an inst you're, you're an industry plant. Hey, listen, I say this to all my friends. If you're, if you're listening out People there... People are going to think I planted you in no, this no, episode. No, 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 Listen, if you're a listener out there, become my friend and I will say this exact thing to you. Well, not this exact thing, but... I disavow all of this. I... No, I, what I'm trying to say before I got rudely cut off was... <laughs> <laughs> was... It is so cool that I can learn from you. And I think a lot of friendships um, nowadays, at least, are very surface level. It's mm -hmm. very much like, you know, your your pals, you go out with each other, you watch movies. But having these kinds of conversations where I always leave the hangout with more information than I had when I came to the hangout. Why am I calling it a hangout? I don't know. But it's amazing. 
Yeah. You just, I don't know if you want to cut this whole thing out. I'm just like no, I'm literally just speaking to you. But that is like very cool that I can, I'm learning so much. But here, I'm sorry. You're, take, my, you're taking my silence as, oh man, you know. I'm like, oh man, she isn't. No, you're like, oh, I'm talking too much. I'm just like, holy crap. This is really, really valuable information and I'm grateful to receive it. Thank you. And so thank you. you. Know, I, I want, want to thank to, you. I want to pass that to you so that you can then go educate yourself. Mm. Right? Or not like educate yourself, but be an educator yourself. Right? And you can go do that. So if you have a if you have a friend, you know, and it's a good feeling if you have somebody who says to you, I don't know how to approach this issue. I don't know, you know, where to start. I I know it's wrong, but I, you know, I don't know the information i don't know how to synthesize it it's it's a good feeling to be able to say to that person i can help you mm -hmm. come to me you know and people like i didn't even tell like i i didn't even start out like when i was talking about this issue on my instagram i didn't even start out with saying like oh please dm me if you have questions like people just started dming me mm -hmm. and then i was like okay this is a great opportunity right the really cool thing about that is I remember I had the words, but I didn't mm -hmm. quite know how to put them into a paragraph or a sentence yeah. on this on this issue. And I remember I came to you and I said, here's what I'm trying to say. I don't know how to say it properly. And then you were like, OK, here's what you can post. Like, here are. Oh, the I words. do remember do that. Do you remember that? I was making your propaganda for you. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. <laughs> uh, I'm just incredibly grateful that I get to mansplain on a scale this large. Oh my God. There is no mansplaining happening here. Because, oh, sorry. Because if there was, I would not even be sitting here. I have no patience True. for that. I generally, I just, I just avoid mansplaining because I'm a general dumbass with most things. <laughs> yeah i if i could if i knew anything about anything i would mansplain mansplain the fuck out of people you're mansplaining about mansplaining oh shit <laughs> i didn't even realize it it's a cycle man <laughs> it's this it's this pc world dude oh my gosh oh my gosh all right how was that everybody you uh got to hear me talk at joanna for <laughs> For I don't know how long this episode is actually going to be, but Who for a knows? while. I didn't feel talked at. Thanks for validating. Me. <laughs> I'm always so, here to validate. No, but it was great to have you on. It was so great to be here. And, you know, I really appreciate you coming on and especially making that point um, that we need to depoliticize this issue. Absolutely. Is that this is not a political thing. This is a humanitarian thing. And if there's one thing I want people to take away, it's don't be afraid to talk about this issue, whether you are entirely educated like Will, or if you're not very educated and not very quote unquote political like myself, because at the end of the day, we all share the same thing. And it is that we're humans and humans should care. And it's very exhausting and beautiful to have a heart so that was beautiful Thank that you. was that was so <laughs> profound I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it at that those are great <laughs> words to end on right on <laughs>